This is alternative history. Darn it! This is alternative. <laughs> oh my god! This is alternative history. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Well, I've never seen Titanic, so it's got to be A Christmas Story. The one with uh, Ralphie when he gets his gun. It's Well, it's the only Christmas movie, only movie that I have matching underwear for. So it's got to be that one. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I actually think that that is also my favorite Christmas movie. If not that, it might be actually be the cartoon of the Grinch that stole Christmas. That one's okay, yeah. I I, I would say uh, Christmas Vacation is a close second That's a good one, yes. I just saw that actually for this project. So, we are the Alternative History Podcast. I am Rodrigo Monaco, and as usual, this is Brian. Yep. You know it. It's me. And we here at the Alternative Podcast present you with a topic, and then we debate whether or not that topic merited a different result, a different perception. An alternative history. Yeah, and uh, as you may have heard, or you ha- you will have heard, we have intro music now. Yeah, something new, um, exactly. The band Trans Panda was nice enough to allow us to use a snippet of their song for our intro. It's a song called "You." It's everywhere, and I've said that a lot over the past nine or so years, having kids, and you know, sometimes that shit goes up to the freaking shoulder blades and. All you can say is, ooh, it's everywhere, and now that is the name of our intro music, so I think it's kind of appropriate. Big shout out to Transpanda. Yeah, thanks guys. And so as you can tell by our little opening snippet there, we were talking about Christmas movies this week's, oh, I'm sorry, last week's topic was the Minnesota Vikings, 1998. Yeah, we we gave them an alternative history. They they are the uh, Super Bowl champions of what would have been 1999. 1999. And as I was earlier alluding to, today we will be discussing a Christmas movie, or rather, a, if a movie should be considered a Christmas movie. Correct. So we'll be talking about Die Hard today, and uh, the thesis is, should Die Hard be considered a Christmas movie? Yeah. So, to just, a, just a real quick background, I have a grade school friend who I don't really talk to too much, but we're friends on Facebook, and he posts every Christmas Eve, every December 23rd thereabouts, that he will be starting his annual Christmas tradition of watching Die Hard, his favorite Christmas movie. That's what he says. Yeah. One day, I was eating dinner with my aunt at our family dinner, and I was needling her a little bit because I told her about this, and she couldn't believe that someone considered Die Hard a Christmas movie. And I kind of played along and egged her on, saying, "Probably sure it's a Christmas movie." Blah blah blah. I uh, I couldn't believe it either when we when we first dis- discussed this as a topic. I was com- I was completely unaware of the passion for this movie to be a Christmas movie. Considered a Christmas movie. So that's why we decided to come up with the topic today. Should it be considered a Christmas movie? But yeah, but then when we looked at, like, the internet is just rife with It's a decent topic, exactly. And and information about whether or not this is a a Christmas movie. Fertile research. That's good stuff. Before we get into Die Hard, let's talk about 1988. Yeah, it's the year the movie was, uh, Die Hard was released in 1988, and, um, you know, oddly enough, it is one of the top, it was one of the top ten movies of '88. Uh, some of the other notable movies of 1988: uh, Rain Man, that was the top uh, box office movie. Coming to America, that's 
probably. I, I mean, I you know. That's my favorite Eddie Murphy movie. Yeah, I, I'll go back and forth. It's my favorite Eddie Murphy movie. It might be one of my favorite. Might might be my favorite movie of all time. That one movie of, is just one of the funniest movies ever. Whole, yeah, if it's not hilarious. coming to America for me for, in terms of Eddie Murphy, it's usually Harlem Nights. But I really, really love Coming to America. There's I, like con, like large swaths of the movie that I just can almost recite re- recite verbatim. <laughs> I'm not gonna you know <laughs> butcher right it now. exactly on our podcast. It's, it would I, I can't do it justice, but I just oh, it was. Great movie. Man, a lot of people loved Rain Man. I did not see that until I was a lot older, like well past 1988. And I, I was pleasantly surprised at how decent of a movie it was. It, yeah, it, it, it was okay. I mean, I, I mean, it, Tom Cruise doesn't really do anything for me. I got you. So, I mean, I like doesn't often. At the he, time, I don't run, like him anymore. Did but he run a lot in that movie? I'm He's pretty certain. Constantly running. All the time. He's in pretty good shape, I exactly. guess. But anyhow, Big came out that year. Die Hard, of course, I mentioned. Bull Durham. Great movie. Uh, Colors. I love uh, that's a great movie. Sean, Sean Penn. Penn right? Robert Duvall. Yep. That's fantastic. Willow. That's a, I think it's an underrated movie. Not a lot of people talk about At least not a lot of people that I know talk about it as a, there as a are, movie they love. I've watched like a million movies, as you well know. There's like five, ten, maybe somewhere in there of like movies that I've actually never seen completely. That like, when you find out what they are, you'll be shocked. Because I'm going to tell you a couple of them today. Because one of them... Was for this movie essentially, like for this research essentially. Like I'd never seen, I'd never seen Christmas Vacation all the way through <laughs> from like blasphemous, unedited, like until like, like, like I've seen parts of it, most of it on television. Willow, I've actually never ever seen before. I, I've never seen the movie. Yeah, You've never seen Willow. Willow, nope. it, it's a very good movie. Uh, Val Kilmer's in it. Uh, I forget the uh, the other characters, or the other actors that are in it. Um, but it, yeah, it's. I think I believe it was it's a Ron Howard movie. I think you're right. Yeah. Yep. So, um, some other movies: Action Jackson, which you have to say very slowly and enunciate, otherwise you'll fuck that one up. Is that Carl Weathers? It is. Yeah, yeah Paulo Paulo Creed, motherfucker. He's like a he's like a detective kicking ass all over Detroit. I want to yeah. say I can't yeah. remember for sure. I'm not wrong on that, but I think that's yeah. right now. Uh, Scrooged. And a, a true uh, that was that's a Christmas movie. That's basically actually, uh, a what uh, a Christmas Carol is that the name of this? Correct, it's exactly. a remake of that with uh, Bill Murray. And then probably a, this is a true Christmas movie. Ernest Saves Christmas. So yeah, I would say of those last two movies, there's no question those two are definitely Christmas movies. Yeah, <laughs> for yeah. sure. And and one is great, and one is not so great. And I'll leave that up up to you to, you to decide. <laughs> Agreed. Thank you. So TV, uh, I'm just going to run down the uh, the top. The top uh, shows, The Cosby Show, Roseanne, A Different World, Cheers, 60 Minutes, Golden Girls, Who's the Boss, Murder, She Wrote, Empty Nest, Anything But Love. Pretty diverse group of shows in the top ten. I mean, they're all... I mean, I'm not familiar with Anything But Love, but I know all the other ones pretty well. So, And it's like, you were saying diverse diverse top ten. Like, you have two African-American-led shows... Shows led by women. You have shows led by senior citizen, mm-hmm. like like senior like like several senior citizens actually in the top ten. Like it's in a there's three shows that are uh, pretty much fronted by senior citizens: The Golden Girls, Murder She Wrote, and Empty Nest. And somewhere in that, in my list here is Matlock too. That was one of the was it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so other shows. Elf. That's a big show. Like, that's not a big show. Like, I watch it now and it sucked, but I used to really like that show when I was a little kid. Like, it was it, that was an important show in my youth, but I've seen a couple episodes similar to what happens when we've done some research for this show. 
and we go back in time. No, no, that hold left up. me a little yeah. wanting, or left a little yeah, to be desired, if you will. Pretty bad. I, the only thing that I get from Alf is when I tell a really bad joke, I go, "Ha! I kill me." <laughs> yes, so that's, a good one. that's about it. And and from time to time, I've been known to eat cats. So unsolved mysteries. Man, that um, show is so real for yeah. me. I love that show. Like that was like. Again, as I've alluded to in the past, I, I was obsessed with true crime. And this show was like a chronicling of all kinds of true crime all the time. And, like, there was nothing as cool as when they would, like, update and they'd tell you, like, how they caught oh, somebody. Oh, yeah, I remember tight. that. Oh, I, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I watched it in, in – it didn't go in, like, syndication and it would be just run relentlessly I think over it went in syndication, but nights. also it had, like I'm, – I'm doing another project, so I did some research for this, for this Unsolved Mysteries. But it went on for, like – from like 1987 to 1999, and at one point in the show, it got switched over from NBC to CBS. It then went into syndication on Lifetime, like you said. And at some point, someone else bought the rights, and Mr. Stack, the Robert Stack from Robert Un- Stack, yeah. Unsolved Mysteries, was the was the uh, announcer, original narrator. I'm sorry, and uh, the host rather. And when he he must have passed away, or he was no longer involved in the project. He passed. And, he passed away. Yeah, and then it, it became. Wasn't it the guy from uh, Dennis Farina? Is his name? Oh, He's Dennis Farina. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. And so that was on Spike shorty. TV for a couple of years. So yeah. I know a little right. more about the show than I care to admit. But I, I was sure. obsessed with Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, Wonder Years came. Was uh, I was playing Love that, that year? Um, Knots Landing. That was. That was I used deal. to watch my that. Mom, my mom I used to watch that it with show. my mom. Yeah, exactly. All the time. I was I was knee deep into that show. The Ewings and that was that was and it, that that Not Slanting was a spinoff of the next show Dallas, which I also watched. And as an as like I say, an immigrant when I first moved here on Friday nights, I watched Dallas and Dukes of Hazard. And my mother's American friends at the time swore that I spoke with a with a Southern twang because <laughs> like, I was watching it on TV straight up. Like, like I don't do it now, obviously. He's the only four year old <laughs> Brazilian that speaks with a like, Southern accent when he talks. Outrageous. Um. Uh, Kids in the Hall, one of, that was one of my favorite you sketch comedy shows. I didn't really watch it too much, but yeah, yeah. familiar. And then Mr. Belvedere with Bob Euchre. Milwaukee's very own very living own, legend, yep, Bob Euchre. That we, I believe we mentioned in back all the way back on episode two. When the, yep. when the Milwaukee Brewers won the World Series in yes, 1982. Exactly. Yes, yes, that's right. They yes. won. I, that was that was, good, that was, that was a good awesome. year. Good year. Right. Music. Faith by George Michael is the number one single. I love that song. Uh, Need You Tonight by In Excess. Uh, Got My Mind Set on You by George Harrison. Uh, Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. And Sweet Child, Oh Mine by Conjunction Fearing GNR. Our favorite of show, Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Uh, Other releases, Megadeth, So Far, So Good, So What?, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince released He's the DJ, I'm the Rapper. With parents just don't understand. Yep. Uh, GNR Lies came out, as we talked about a couple episodes ago. Metallica's and Justice for All came out. Actually, that was episode two. Episode three was, was the, the Brewers. Brewers. Yep, so absolutely episode three right. is on the Brewers one. Uh, NWA Straight out of Compton. Uh, Public Enemies, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. Strong hip-hop album. Yep. Danzig came uh, self-released, or uh, self-titled album. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Slayer's South of Heaven for our dear friend, The Boy. Boy, Yeah, so that was uh, music news stories. George H.W. Bush was elected president on November 8th. That was pretty much, I would say, the biggest news story in in the United States. Interesting news story, Wrigley Field played their first night game in 1988, which... 
I try to explain to a lot of people why I grew up a Cubs fan. This is one of the things living in Milwaukee that we would watch them on television. During they were the day, always on WGN during the day Constantly. in the summer, yep. and I didn't really like when you're so. Now you you know when you get older your allegiances are tied more to your city, but when you're a kid you just like sports. Well, and in that time, no, because the allegiances for baseball were still the same. But remember, we were in the American League and they were well, the yeah, but League, so there was no uh, yeah, beef I with still like. I mean, I liked other teams a lot more than I do now that were outside of my city. I got right? you. So yeah, it, yeah. it didn't matter to me that they were, you know, from Chicago. I mean, I didn't. I had no beef with Chicago. I their games were on during the day. I didn't have shit else to do, so I watched. Watched Cubs game, and they were actually good back then, so that, that helped. They were okay. They were good for two times in the eighties, but whatever. Uh, I used well, eighty nine, they were good. Eighty nine and eighty two. Yeah. I used to, I used to love baseball and be obsessed. So I, I hate it now, but I'm with you. I, I remember the Cubs from that era, and I remember that. I believe they played the Cincinnati Reds in nineteen in, in that game, and uh, they were the last team to have lights installed. Like they, that, that was the, yeah. the big thing about that. And before you send any hate emails or tweets, just know that we are steadfast Brewer fans now. So Always been a Brewer fan, yes. I mean, we're at a time now in history where both the Cubs and the Brewers are pretty good. Or the Cubs are really good and the Brewers are pretty good. It's never really happened when we've been in... The, in so there never really, to me, was a rivalry. Now it's kind of a rivalry. Well, so I, yeah, I'm picking sides and I'm, I'm on the steadfast on the Brewer side. That's good. So... Uh, the 1988 Olympics took place in Seoul, South Korea. Uh, there was a Those great the summer Olympics. The summer Olympics, winter yeah. Olympics took place in 1988 in Calgary. Yep. There was a drought in the U S Midwest and a large earthquake in Armenia with created large scale destruction, which the Soviet Armenia was a, a satellite you know, of, of the Soviet regime. And the, the Soviets blamed the, the destruction on Pre, well, so we're in the era of Gorbachev in 1998. They 88. Blamed, 1988. They blamed it on uh, pre-Gorbachev Brezhnev era construction. It's always a guy so, from always got before. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So Got to blame it on him. I'm sure he. I'm sure Gorby uh, was undoing all of his executive orders too. Stop so, it. <laughs> so, so yeah. So that was 1988. You got some stuff on sports for us. Yes, 1988. Uh, in sports, the Washington Redskins. Beat the Denver Broncos 42-10 to in that Super Bowl year. I forget the year. I apologize. The Los Angeles Dodgers beat the Oakland Athletics 4-1 to in a five-game series. Kansas beat Oklahoma in the 1988 NCAA Basketball Championship. Oh, Danny Manning, right? That was before he got hurt. And Danny Manning was supposed to be a superstar like yeah. in the 90s. He was supposed to be the future of the NBA. And he tore up his ACL, I believe, his rookie year. And he was still a good player, but he was never the potential future superstar he was supposed to be. The Lakers beat the Pistons four to three. That was the last Laker, rather the last Magic Johnson championship. Mm. Steffi Graf was the third woman ever to complete the Golden Slam, and that is to win all four majors in the same year. Nice. And Holland beat Russia in the Soviet Union in the nineteen eighty eight European Championship. Yeah, and I, I I would assume that that uh, that Broncos Super Bowl loss pleased you, considering how much you hate the Denver Broncos. Yeah, especially back then. Like that was before. Like I just didn't like John Elway, that horse face, Mister Ed looking <laughs> motherfucker. I just never liked him, and I didn't like him back then. And yeah, I was someone, happy they lost. Someone on on Twitter put something about uh, like ugly faces in in 
in, in football helmets, and I said John Elway has emeritus <laughs> status <laughs> for for that because he is yeah well uh, whatever we'll, we'll we'll leave him alone. He's not the topic of this. We're talking about Die Hard. So Die Hard, as we say, was released in 1988. Before we break into Die Hard, let me break into Bruce Willis. Yeah, and Nin- go ahead. Uh, well, just a, a quick note going forward. I'm going to use the term uh, Die Hard interchangeable with the actual character uh, John McClane and Bruce Willis and Bruce it's Willis just too also, much it's just three, way too many things to keep people it. yeah so if I'm not referring if I'm not, if, I, if I'm not specifically talking about the actual movie Die Hard and I say Die Hard I'm probably talking about Bruce Willis even when I'm talking about the movie and I say Die Hard it good chance is Bruce Willis agree so, I got you. I'll make sure to translate for the people Bruce Willis equals Die Hard confusion. almost in almost every category so basically and you know this that even after this Basically, I will say that he essentially unleashes a decade of dominance from 1988 to 1998. And even after 1998, he continues to make good movies. But I'm only going to focus on a handful of the movies released in this 10-year stretch. Uh, yeah, okay. So, go for it. 88, Die Hard. 89, he's the voice of Mikey and Look Who's Talking. Yep. 1990, Die Hard 2. 1990, Look Who's Talking 2. So, this dude was... Ed- well, you couldn't get away from this dude for two years, essentially. Yeah, I mean, some of his best work was in the Look Who's Talking. Look, they were very funny, I would agree. 1991, Hudson Hawk. Also, 1991, The Last Boy Scout, which yep. is a fantastic movie. I, I've actually have never seen that movie. Really? Yeah. Oh, man, you've got to watch that. I had no idea. Very good. Okay, excellent. Uh, in 1992... He's in a movie called Death Becomes Her, which I think is hilarious. Yes, I've seen that movie. It's fantastic. That's uh, Meryl Streep. In a, in a rather typecast-like movie, but one that my little brother really likes, so I actually like it a little bit, is a movie called Striking Distance, released in 1993. He's like on a boat. So me and my brother have a joke about this movie. Not really a joke, but we, we kind of... So hate on this? <laughs> I don't, we don't hate on the movie because I, I, I really enjoy Bruce Willis as an actor. Uh-huh. And... Uh, Pretty, I'll watch. I'll try to. I try to watch. You know anything that he's in. It's been dominant for at least five years. Yeah, exactly. Nonstop hit. But so he's 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 a he's a washed up cop, which he kind of does pretty well. He plays washed up real well. Yeah. And it kind of it's kind of apropos that he's a washed up cop who is now a boat cop or whatever, or like a river cop or (laughs) whatever. Whatever whatever the fuck. And he lives on a boat. It's like okay. It's just. I get it. He's 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 seaworthy like, now. He's like he's like on a boat. Like, yeah, he was. He's like, like from that. He, he's he's like when you when you look into the family lineage of uh, of Kevin Costner from in Waterworld, it probably started right with Bruce Willis. <laughs> lived on boat, right. ex cop. Lived on boat, right, right. boat cop. Well, he uh, he he starts Bruce Willison, which is, is getting term, up in everybody's shit yeah. essentially yes, so if you ever get your nose and put it in shit it don't belong in right you're that means bruce you're, willis. That's, you're bruce willis yeah, exactly. so that's, he's constantly doing that in his movie so he does that in this movies. movie exactly so there's this part where he he's just like he's like i'm trying to solve a murder here <laughs> so whenever whenever me and my brother are, are sorry that was are so doing, loud everybody <laughs> sorry yeah <laughs> Whenever we're doing something that we probably shouldn't be doing or someone's asking, like, don't what are you doing? So right we usually turn around and say, don't worry, I can bring the volume down on that. We usually turn around and just say, I'm trying to solve a murder here. It's, it's just so such a, <laughs> it's such oh a like, on-the-nose response exactly. to, to, to whatever like he was being, you know, whatever someone was giving him crap about. Oh, but yeah, he plays funny. Washed Up real well. So speaking of Washed Up, in what I think is my favorite role and favorite movie of his, in 1994, he plays 
Butch, Coolidge, and Pulp Boom. Fiction. That's yeah, a great movie. Probably one of the best movies ever made. I love that film. Uh, 1995, Die Hard with a Vengeance. He reprises John Ooh. McClane. Fantastic. My goodness. That, that, that uh, by far, is my favorite Die Hard movie. Probably one of my top movie. five I action agree. movies. Also in 1995, Four Rooms. I think is a very good underrated movie. 1995, he's in a movie called 12 Monkeys. And in 1996, he's in Last Man Standing. So again, basically a year where you cannot get away from this dude, but dropping good stuff. Like, I like all of these movies, you know? Yeah. He finishes off 1997 with The Jackal, and finally 1998, a gigantic movie called Armageddon. Mm. So he, yeah. he goes off. Like, like basically, Die Hard is a launching pad for his career. He was in TV. Yep. He was in Moonlighting, which is a famous show. Like, like, like we're going to talk about this in a minute. The executives for this movie took a chance because he'd only been in television and one film. They paid him a pretty astonishing amount for this movie. Yeah. And it took off. Yeah, they paid him $5 million for the movie. So, Exactly. Die Hard is an R-rated thriller starring Bruce Willis, Alan Rickman, Bonnie Bedelia, and Reginald Vell Johnson. Released July 20th, 1988. A.K.A. Carl from... It's not Carl. Carl, right? It is Carl from Family Matters. Family Matters, yeah. Is based on a novel by Roderick Thorpe. I like yeah. the name Roderick. It's the anglicized version of my name, Rodrigo. Yeah, or and I mean, I I call him both Rod. Fair enough. The so, film has received. A, I got time for Rodrigo or Roderick. Yeah, fair enough. The film has released uh, received a seventy meta score uh, on Metacritic. That's seven hundred fifty user and two hundred forty uh, critics. Yeah, it's got. I think at, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's like ninety two. But I was going at ninety two percent. Fresh, pretty good, pretty good. So I was going through some of the reviews, and uh, I w- a lot of the reviews are uh, written recently, within hmm. the last ten years. Watching, of course. And I, w- I read two reviews of the movie that basically just lambasted it for being, you know, popcorn uh, action film that was kind of silly, but well, it, it really like, wasn't. It was so an era I, where you can make those fantastical movies, you know, like it was in the era of Commando and the era yeah. of, of of Rambo and the era and like yeah, Sylvester this, Stallone. This movie and, to this me dude. was a step above though all that. So but we'll, we'll, to a degree, little we'll more about. on so a little more on the on that novel by uh, Rod Thorpe. <laughs> Nothing lasts forever. So it was the second novel with that with the main character, uh, Joe Leland. That was the character that was eventually turned into Die John Hard, McClane. John McClane Die Hard. The, the sequel to 1966, The Detective. Yeah, which was turned into a movie in 1968 starring Frank Sinatra, chairman eyes. of the board. Yes. So the funny thing is, is that when they when they started developing uh, Nothing Lasts Forever, because Sinatra played this character in a movie previously, apparently it was written into his contract that they had to offer the role to him, which they did. And he was in his early seventies when when they offered it to him. Well, you, just think about that. The way you're describing it, like movie wise, it's amazing. Sixty eight to eighty. That's twenty years. That's, that's yeah. a long ass time for a sequel to a movie to a movie. In the book, sequel wise, it's thirteen years when he releases one book to the next. That's a yeah. long ass time too for oh, novels. Oh sure, yeah. yeah. And, Lord, and, and in the novel, the some, actor or the the character role shit right there. Right? The the character in the novel is significantly older. He's a World War Two vet. Mm. So. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, it's implied that he's probably in his mid to late fifties in the in the book. Which makes sense because he's yeah. sixty-six. And the novel itself is a lot darker. The ending is a lot more, uh, not as optimistic. We'll uh, get to that in the future. Let's tell him yeah. that. Yeah, let's, let's after we recap it because so, I, I think that's fantastic. That's, that's, that's fascinating. I would think you told me about this. I'm gonna hit on it real quick. Uh, after Sinatra turned the role down, I believe that 
Arnold Schwarzenegger declined to shoot the film as a sequel to Commando. That yeah, was, that well, was there the, was so I don't know if it. I mean, I know he turned he turned it down. Whether or not it, they were going to retrofit it into the Commando world, that's up for debate. Uh, that was the, right, there, that there's was a the rumor, rumor that they were going to do that, but the scriptwriter uh, Stephen E. D'Souza denies that this was ever considered. But so the studio wanted an established star for the for Fox. This, brother, this is for, yep, yeah. Fox uh, now a part of the Disney Corporation, uh, whatever the Disney Empire. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, so they wanted an established star. So it was turned down by Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, as we mentioned, Harrison Ford, Don Johnson inexplicably turned this down. Like I don't know what the fuck Don Johnson was doing in 1988. Miami Vice. Miami Vice. Oh yeah, so he was a pretty big star he was back a big then. Star yeah, time. I forgot about that. But yeah. a big television star. The thing is, here's where things are different too. And why this was a big deal. Back then, if you were in movies, you weren't on television. Like it was super rare. Like yeah. now, like after Bruce Willis and like George Clooney, essentially, or, like the two people who really did it. Like they made successful leaps to television from move or two movies you used to not see that now t- movies and tvs are, are intermingled movie stars yeah, and television sure. stars are intermingled they, they appear they go back and forth all i mean the time, yeah we're in we're in what's considered to be like a golden age of tv right now where i agree no, no, and so, even i mean even the like tv itself is kind of like uh it's changing right now yeah you, you like you got netflix hulu all that other jazz streaming all that yeah, stuff so. i agree anyhow uh another name Near and dear to my heart, one of my favorite actors, Burt Reynolds, turned this down. And this is a movie, this is one of the many movies that he turned down that could have revitalized his career, possibly. That along with if he would have just shaved his goddamn mustache off, because... We talked off the mic, you said that that was one of the rumors, is that he refused to shave his No, 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 that's not why he, he, he turned the movie down. But he just wouldn't shave his goddamn mustache This was part like, of why he, his career wouldn't... I think uh, to off. me that's what the rumor right to, to me it is, is oh, because God, he looked like he was trapped in 1972 <laughs> for sake. or like early 80s because yeah. I got you anyhow I got you. but I mean that's just me and my Burt Reynolds obsession so yeah so that's uh the movie made uh it was made for 28 million dollars it made 140 million dollars so it was yep. a gigantic hit and you did mention when it was released right July 20 July 20th which is significant to me because that is clearly not Christmas. Okay, very true. Right, probably I, closer to the actual date. Of I mean, I may I'm not so good with numbers, Rod. Uh, it says I got and you. Yes. Calendars, but uh, July is not near Christmas. Yeah, July is kind of almost. I would I would argue that July is the middle of the year. As I said, closer to the probable actual <laughs> birth of Jesus. If you want to get real technical like that, but Please. let's continue. We only we only celebrate <laughs> pagan holidays in the Fisher household. Um, I believe at long last it's time to discuss the film, yes? <laughs> yeah, so the movie Die Hard, starring Die Hard. <laughs> uh, so Die Hard gets on a plane to go from New York to L.A., to meet up with his estranged wife. He is flying alone on Christmas Eve. To meet with his estranged wife. Yeah. So, in the uh, in the book, the book takes place on Christmas Eve also. Yep. And in the book, it's more to kind of show his, 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 his loneliness, how he pretty much has anything, how he's estranged from his entire family. That's kind of done here. Um, he has more ties to his family in the movie than he does in the book though. So okay. his wife is still alive in the movie movie. 
So he's on a plane. Like they land in L.A. and the guy on the plane next to him. And this is kind of an important part, and it's right in the right in the beginning. The guy, for some reason, he's like, "Oh, you look like you don't like to fly." And Die Hard's like, "Oh, how can you tell?" <laughs> and then uh, the guy's like, "When you go back to your hotel room, take your shoes and socks off, curl your toes in 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 the carpet." It just seems like a weird fucking thing for anyone that you just met to say to you. I've tried that shit. I don't think it works. I don't think it works either. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know. So, I mean, like, usually when I'm flying, when the plane lands, I'm just like, thank God it didn't explode in the air. Right? I don't, I don't need to curl my toes into the carpet to unwind from a flight. And, again, this is some foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Yeah, it's important because... We'll come... I, in the, yes. Yeah, I mean... So he gets picked up by his limo driver, Argyle. Um, Ar- he has a conversation with Argyle. Argyle is a talkative fellow, and he ferrets out all his history, all diehard's backstory his, 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 about his. where he's from. He's a cop from New York. He's coming to see his family. Yep, yep. Um, his wife got a big time promotion, moved out to L.A., and he got left behind because he implies it was mainly work related but as we find out it was it was more than that they're having marital problems so so uh he gets dropped off at nagatomi plaza and argyle stays in the basement or in and or not the basement in the parking garage under the building in case he in case diehard and his wife do not get along he could call argyle on the car phone in the parking lot and he can get out the reason I bring it up, of course, is because I think we all know that even now in 2017, you can't get no reception anywhere underground. You know, whatever. It just bothered me. I shouldn't even care about that yeah, but, that much. Uh, he had a phone that was like the size of like your a brick, 42 yes. inch television. television. Fair enough. So, yeah, I mean, and then when we saw when he was backing up, there were clearly open windows that he was by. So he was probably getting some reception. So, all right. So, I should be whatever. Fair yeah, enough. Whatever. That was stupid know. to pick at. Okay. So uh, Die Hard finds out that they just closed a big deal, right? And that they're celebrating this big deal that they closed along with uh, the Christmas, party. Christmas Christmas Eve party. Which is kind of odd to me that all the people from work would still be in the office on Christmas Eve. I mean, maybe maybe they most of them weren't married. I don't know. It's a different I mean, time who knows? 1988. Who knows? Who knows? You, I would think that they would be like home then. with their family if this was Christmas and that I mean, usually you're with family and friends. Which so maybe 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 there were family members there. I mean, Die Hard was got invited. Exactly. So anyhow, so Die Hard gets into a fight. So he gets into a fight with his wife about her changing um, her using her maiden name essentially. Correct. Which we which we find out in the begin like earlier when he's looking for her on the little touch screen and he he looks up McLean. He doesn't see anything. He looks up Die Hard. He doesn't find her name under Die Hard. And then he looks up Gennaro. Lo and behold, Holly she went back Gennaro. to her yes. to her maiden name, which which doesn't please this macho man. No. And then Die Hard is alone and barefoot because he's doing his little thing that the the guy on the plane told him with his toes and such. And uh, apparently, right when this ha- well, uh, his wife had to go make a speech yeah. about this big deal that they just closed. So wait, so they have a fight. In her office, just in her after office. they meet, they just reunite and make peace. Is what you forgot to mention. Like, yeah, they, they're 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 making nice and they're they're being civil to each other. More than that, she invites him back to the house, saying like, the kids miss him, and yeah. then he says, 
I goes, miss you too. Yeah, and he goes, well, you didn't miss my name. That's when they started beefing, yes. Yeah, and he realizes he's being an idiot at some point. Like He was like, he's like, stupid John, way to go. Um, does that often, yes, throughout the movie. Yeah, so he, uh, yeah, he does talk to himself a lot. And so that's where he's in her washroom washing up. That's where he's barefoot again in this place. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's important for the yep, future of this movie. Yeah, okay. and this was, uh, like, I, I have a cubicle that doesn't even have a door. And she has a office that has a bathroom, a bathroom yes, in it. Exactly. I'm like, that's that's pretty awesome. And so again, I just want to I keep wanting to say the foreshadowing part. Now this is like not a foot fetish film, but they mentioned the feet, and we've seen them now barefoot twice in the movie. Let's yes. Continue. Okay. Yeah. So while his uh, wife is making the speech to the workers, um, that's when the terrorists arrive. As they're showing up, you can. That's the first time you hear Ode to Joy being played. Ode to Joy, yes. Which is like a, a theme throughout the movie. When they where, are being featured. Yeah. So, so they take uh, the, thieve, the the terrorists slash thieves. I call them terrorists slash thieves because techni- they, 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 they're, they come off as terrorists, but they're actually there to, to rob the place. Great uh, thieves. <laughs> great, yeah. So they take control of the building. Uh, Die Hard escapes as they're, they're rounding up the people, yes. right? And he escapes to the upper floors that are still under construction. So this building is not complete. He's able to to run around and get in nooks and crannies of places that you normally wouldn't be able to if there was like a, a finished wall. Building, yes, yeah. I agree. So he's exactly. like in the duct work for a while and stuff like that. So, yeah. so he watches. So he's he's running around. He's got his service revolver that he took with him on the plane. Um, and he, well, back then, it, you can you could take a gun anywhere. And you could smoke anywhere, too. That was the main thing. Like, the gun thing, you can kind of take guns anywhere now. Still smoking all the time. This dude was lighting up cigarettes constantly. Just like just everywhere he went. Yeah, he the first thing he cigarettes. did when he got off the airplane was <laughs> light up a smoke. It's a different time, obviously. Yeah. 1988. So we're back in the... He's he, he escapes the roundup from the terrorist thieves. And then he's wandering around the building and trying to figure out what to do. Trying to holler at his other, holler, other cops. Right, he calls. Well, he find he no, he sees that all everything, all the uh, the phone lines have been cut. That's right. So then he goes and he's doing some snooping around, and he ends up in a uh, in a room where the the main villain, who well, we we forgot to mention, his name is Hans Gruber, Hans Gruber. and he's played by uh, Alan, Alan Rickman. He's probably one of the best villains ever, one of the most memorable villain, villains ever. Fantastic. Yeah, and he's he's Hans Gruber is interrogating the head of the Nagatomi Corporation, at least that branch, the mm-hmm. one in America, and he basically tells him they're there to steal six hundred forty million dollars in bear bonds that yeah. are that are locked away in their vault. And as you were saying, uh, Die Hard is hiding around in nicks and crannies and, and and whatnot. He actually sees this conversation, yeah, and sees Hans Gruber. Cap, this Lambo right in the head, yeah, of the of the Nagatomi. Yeah, he's trying to get some kind of code out of him, and the guy keeps saying like, "Well, you know, even with the code, you still you're not gonna you're not gonna get through." And then he's like, "Okay," shoots him, shoots him in the head, kills him, whatever. I don't know why he killed him. Maybe just to show the people that they were serious. It It seemed kind of excessive. The guy wasn't gonna give you the code. Alive or dead, he's still not going to give it to you, right? You so. are not a super criminal, so I wouldn't no, worry yeah, about yeah. too much. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Anyhow, yet. 
So Die Hard is now kind of freaking out. He's wondering why he shouldn't have done done something, and then he's like, "Well, I would have died too." So he's kind of showing that he's vulnerable. Uh, he's freaked out. Yeah, he's a cop, but he's never dealt with being locked in a high rise with a bunch of terrorists. And at this point in movie history, no one has really. Uh, I mean, yeah, all right, all right. Not I'm, you, maybe you're I right. don't know. I don't. Towering Inferno was about. It was a another gigantic. Fire, fire though, fire. right? Agreed. Yeah. yeah. So, so anyhow, whatever. Um, replace the fire with terrorists, and you got this movie, I guess. <laughs> so, Die Hard, uh, he 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 sees there's a fire alarm, so he pulls it. But the terrorists, thieves, they're really good at being terrorist thieves, and they they basically circumvent the the fire department. Remember the cops are coming. They're coming, and he's watching them in the window. Yes. I mean, he's like all happy. He's like, "Yes, yes, yes. This is about to this be over about real to be quick. Over. We're about to put my right socks now. and shoes back on. It's gonna be great." And then, like, and then, they call him. They like, oh, this yeah. false alarm, blah, blah blah. But he, but somehow or another, and I, like I say, I, I, full disclosure, I saw the last forty-five minutes of this movie, the first half an hour, and I mm-hmm. missed an hour. What the part? I, the one part I missed was that how did he get Carl back? From family matters. From family matters. Oh, so well, because so all what the cops happens, were going away, right? Like all, yeah. Okay. So he kills. So he kills a, a terrorist, right? That the guy uh, that's that was wearing um, like the the warm up gear, like oh, yeah. the all okay. the all gray sweat suit, right? That's like super tight. So like, then we just jumped the plot point before we jumped that far. So then we said the cops are coming from from the fire department. Yeah, and they get called back, called away because Hans Gruber and his band of terrorist thieves okay they're able to call it in and they got all all contingencies covered right okay so those guys go away and then so, but this, so this doesn't happen he doesn't bring he doesn't get carl back for a little bit then is what is what i understand right is, is that correct well carl yeah so what happens is um he has to kill a terrorist or two before he's able to to get the cops to come again. So he gets a walkie-talkie and he's calling an emergency channel to oh, 911. And they and the ladies cool. all like they're like, "Well, you know, this is reserved for emergencies only." He goes, "Does it sound like I'm ordering a fucking pizza?" <laughs> I don't know. It's just I find it great one Yeah, line. the okay. way he said it was great perfect. Line. That's like a good just exactly. like almost as good as I'm trying to solve a murder here. <laughs> so so he gets he so they send they send a they send a cop uh, Al Powell, Carl from Family Matters, who apparently was typecast after this movie. Yeah. So they send him because the next year Family Matters Released, came out. Yes, yeah. exactly. So they send him and he's looking around and he's like, "Oh, ain't nothing going yeah, on ain't nothing going on there. To hell with this." Apparently, USC was playing Notre Dame on Christmas Eve and the guys watching it. I don't know if that actually happens or not, but I don't know if enough enough about college football if they play on Christmas Eve or right. not. But anyhow, I'm sure they do. They do. So they're wa- he's watching that game, and uh, he's like, "Oh!" And like he's walking down a hall, and right before he might get uh, shot by this by a terrorist thief, and he turns around, he's like, "Oh, the hell with this!" And he's he's about to leave, and uh, Bruce Willis had killed a terrorist or two in the meantime, right? Because he was, I mean, there's a bunch of them, and that's basically what he does for like the middle part of the movie, the just hour that I'm periodically yes. murdering or murdering. Uh, taking out justifiably yes. homiciding uh, the terrorists so he kills a couple of them so he sees that uh, Carl is about to leave Carl from Family Matters is about to leave and he throws one of the dead terrorists out the window and it lands on Carl's car which by the way is an amazing throw yeah 
clean, right? You can toss. Enough. Okay. Like, so that's I have a hard enough get. time throwing like ring, like balled up paper into, into my garbage. garbage can. Yeah. Sometimes the garbage is like literally like, like a layup, level yeah. like several feet from me. And you miss it, and, and I miss. Threw him down. And this dude building, threw yes. a grown ass person out a window and landed directly on on Al Powell's car. And so one of these Harris that he kills, Brian alluded to before I interrupted, was wearing the most basic. Haynes warm-up <laughs> outfit. He literally looked like Hans and Franz on crack. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like he was like it was just not very well thought out in terms of He not- looked like uh if I was going to peg any of the uh of uh, of the terrorists to have some kind of like depression issues, he would probably He's be warm. the one. And he kills him and he he that guy that he kills has a brother terrorist. Yeah. That will will come back to play who wants blood. Play. Yes. Um and he was he used I for, I forget the name of the actor but he used to be a uh, I believe a, a ballet dancer. Nice. So he kills some terrorists. Oh, so then he finally gets the cops to come, right? So then after they throw the body on there, then I mean now the cops are like, all right, this is legit. On, yep. Something's happened. Their dead bodies are flying out the window, right? <laughs> right. So all of a sudden, all like the police come out in full force. There's a whole like relationship between the uh, like the deputy chief and Al Powell Carl from Family Matters mm-hmm. where Carl basically has his shit together he's has a relationship with with Die Hard and this deputy chief is just like not giving bumble an idiot yeah. trying to always tell Carl what's Carl up. what's up and he's always wrong and Carl's always right and it's kind of I mean out of all the all the dynamic character dynamics in it, that's probably the weakest one to me. Right. And it's just kind of silly. It wasn't and I Carl- think they could have given, given uh, Al Powell's character, Carl, and we know that's not his name. He's right. a very good actor. Yeah, but I know. We just keep calling him. Like the same reason I call Bruce Willis diehard. It's just easier. It's the first thing that pops in my brain. Yep, yep. So uh, <laughs> they could have they could have gave him more dignity without having him, you know, being trotted down on by this deputy chief who's a complete moron anyways i don't know but anyhow so yeah they get there and then they're basically working on breaking into the breaking through these there's like seven different locks or whatever and the terrorists uh, their plan is wait there until the fbi come because when the fbi come they're they're going to be able to enact their final the ending to their to their Heist because the FBI has certain procedures and policies that, yeah. that Hans Gruber but, knows they will do. Yeah, but what happens is Bruce Willis is killing all these terrorists, right? In the meantime, and not a one damn one of them's got a shoe that'll that he can either snatch that'll fit him. The first guy he kills, his feet are too small. Right. So, and at one point they shoot shoot up the glass, and uh, he gets his foot cut real bad, and he he, he basically he gets the shit kicked out of him pretty much in this movie. The movie. He's he gets in a lot of hand to hand combat fights with some of the terrorists. Yeah. Um, the guy whose brother he kills, he gets in a, a pretty good fight, which he ends up uh, uh, choking him on a chain, chain hanging him on from it that essentially. Chain. Yes. Uh, which uh, which is an awful way to die. Which leads to the ending where uh, finally the FBI show up. One second. Reginald Bell Johnson. Yeah. Carl. Carl from Family Matters. Is able to ascertain. Al Powell. That John McClane is a police officer. This is how they, though you were talking about how he was being downtrodden by his boss. Yeah. 
his relationship with McLean is probably the best relationship. They're, in the yeah, they're dynamic, and and I believe I said to you at the off, end of the movie, I was like, Mike, I was we'll like, about that. to me when we were watching the movie, I was like, to me that's the real love story in this movie. That's those funny two that you guys. said that exactly because they have a really strong relationship, and through Die Hard, Al Paul is able to kind of redeem himself for a his well, past. That's discretion where he accident, accidentally shot, shot a, a child. Kid. I was gonna say. So yeah. they talk about they, they find out they're able to ascertain that McLean is a police officer, and you get the history of him being a cop, and you get the history of why Al Powell's cop, and this history of Brian Luther that Al Powell murdered, or I'm sorry, that Al Powell, Al Powell killed a young man or or, or a it, child. Uh, yeah, a kid. Yeah. And you know this is why uh, Al Powell is now doing what he was doing. This is important. This comes back a little bit later, as does. The guy that we're, that we that we that, that John McClane hangs. So, Die Hard. Essentially, earlier in the movie, we, we talked about something that we missed. Hans Gruber and John McClane meet, right? And you don't yeah. know that, or that John McClane doesn't know that Hans Gruber is the actual mastermind. Hans Gruber is fake, like he was a uh, hostage. Who had escaped? Yeah, because they need. So they're in. So John McClane killed one of the terrorists that had the detonators, and they need these detonators because part of their main plan is involves these detonators okay. and the FBI showing up. So Hans, basically, because Die Hard's been killing all the terrorists, has to go out and start, you know, snooping around and, and looking for stuff too. And and John McClane runs into him, and and Hans plays off like he's. He's an American, right? And he does a pretty convincing job. But there's something he's like, he has a tell, right, or something like that. Convinced. I don't he's know like, what the tell is. I can't remember anymore. I, uh, Die Hard just goes, "You think I'm fucking stupid, Hans?" And I don't know. Right? Okay, that's good. I, I, that's, I just, uh, <laughs> you think I give you a loaded gun or something like that? So he kind of knows. I don't. I don't know what like they don't explain, and maybe I missed it. But there's no like real clear explanation about what the tell was. I thought, he, I thought he mentioned. I can't remember what it is now. He said it was, I missed that hour. So like they met. And throughout the movie, as Brian has had a couple of the good one-liners, he's been talking shit to Hans throughout the whole film on the the walkie-talkie. Like, yeah. And this is where we get the famous line, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Like, yeah, well, yeah, cause, so they have a conversation earlier where it's implied that he's like a, he's a cowboy. He's and, and that's where I think this movie is kind of falls to more into like a, like a modern Western. I got you. Or a self-contained Western. But, uh... Yeah, he he goes. He he says, "Well, what do I call you?" He calls. I think that's with the uh, the Al Powell character. He refers to himself as Roy Rogers, or calls him call him Roy. But he does say "Yippee Kaye, motherfucker!" to Hans, Hans exactly. as he's uh, exiting from one area to another. But and so as the movie progresses, we're coming to the end. Like Brian said, like the FBI does show up and predictably acts exactly as Hans Gruber plans that they'll act yeah they're, johnson and johnson which is kind of a funny joke that was happening <laughs> so, and so basically a couple able, of dicks they're able to break in they're able to break into nagatomi's vault also once again to a loud rendition of ode to joy it's one of the classic scenes of the movie in my opinion like it's yeah. one that i think of when i see this film like it's hilarious to me so apparently apparently what happened is so the fbi shuts the power off and by the time they got to the, la- the last lock they needed a complete power shutdown like of the grid for it to basically just Open. open yes which it did yeah and then like you said ode to joy plays it's wonderful and, like, it and really like, like full throttle <laughs> it's really really good yeah uh, so he's getting out they start enacting their plan 
John McClane knows what the plan is. This is why the oh, so he knows what the plan is. The FBI is about to land on the helicopter or on the on the helipad to free hostages, but the plan is to blow up this helipad. Once the FBI agents and all the hostages are blown up, the terrorist thieves will walk out. Amongst yeah, the because that's how they'll escape. Because the what what they did was they they told the uh, LAPD that they needed all these other terrorist released. people released throughout the world, and then they wanted a helicopter on top of the building, and they were going to leave with like terrorists and the hostages were all going to leave together, and then they were going to get a take off plane somewhere or something like that. Anyhow, John McClane foils this. Yep, and while foiling this, like the FBI. They start shooting at him. They start, because he, remember, he's remember he's on the top of the building with the hostages shooting a gun. Yeah, he's shooting a gun to try to get all the hostages to go down because he knows that the terrorists are going to blow the roof. roof. Yeah. And then this is where the other super-duper famous... Those, this is like the most famous sequence in the movie as far as I'm concerned is when he starts shooting, shooting in, the, in the machine gun on the roof. The FBI starts shooting him. Yeah. He jumps off. He's like... I'm on your team. You know what I mean? I'm on your side. Yeah, and then he's like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Which you don't like. Like, I thought his portrayal of this supposedly macho action hero was great because he he seemed very vulnerable. I'll come back to that. A lot of he seemed very anxious. You could, you could, you could like arguably see yourself doing that. Every man. God, please don't let me die. Well, yeah. So that's exactly what I would say if I was doing some stupid shit like that. Exactly. So in this famous scene, like he. He escapes the helicopter shooting at him. He like ties himself to a to a fire hose. He jumps from the roof into a window. The helicopter blows up. It's amazing 1980s action fantastical yeah. filmmaking. Yeah. It's really the, the top line of that era as far as I'm concerned. He comes down, he survives, and this is up for the final showdown with him and Hans. While this is happening, Hans Gruber finds out that Holly Gennaro is Holly McClain. And picks her off because that douchebag news reporter put diehards kids on the news. Talking about you know if you have this might be the last time you guys see your family. or he told the maid this might be the last time they see their parents and then they ask you know if there's anything you want to say and she's like come home okay and so like uh, uh, they have their we find out that Holly McLean is who she is he now takes her as an exclusive hostage they have their final showdown right like he kills the rest of the terrorists it's just down to Hans and John McClane. Well, there's one other guy, the guy that was at the front desk, the receptionist terrorist. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right, that's right. And those are, I mean, everyone knows the receptionist terrorist is going to make it to the end. Exactly. The one point that we brought up, yeah, you're absolutely right. So he he eventually, he ends up shooting Hans and shooting the other guy. So, yeah, so he comes in and he drops his gun because Hans has got a gun. Wife. That's right, that's right. He's and got he his has... wife. So he's like, okay, so here's, I dropped my gun. I put my hands up, and he looks like shit, shit right beat now. Up he's now, just yeah. all beat up. He's he's all like soot covered and cut up and bleeding, and he's just standing there with his hands up. And, and the then, camera pans behind him. Yeah, and you see a gun strapped to him. That's with awesome. Christmas tape. Yeah. So then he shoots. He must. He only. Had, he apparently only has two bullets left. So he shoots Hans, and then he quickly shoots the other guy in the forehead before he knows what happens. Yes. And as Hans is falling, he grabs Holly's wrist. And then the, the, the Rolex that she got for uh, closing the deal, he kind of takes it off of her wrist and then uh, it loosens Hans's grip and Hans falls to his death. This, of course, is a huge departure from the book. And you alluded to this earlier. Yeah, the, in the book, so in the book it's not his wife, it's his daughter. And in the book, the main terrorist 
pulls her down with him and and she they he dies and she dies and it's alluded to in the book apparently that John McClane or Joe Leland he's called in the book that he may succumb to his injuries and not spawning a a franchise like Die Hard anyhow yeah. so, so like so like so uh, famously the the Rolex is released and Hans Gruber's falling down and it's like a famous scene also you see him like you see the the picture of him like falling down in, in, from the top of the of the uh, not from the top of the skyscraper, but you can see him dying. It was kind of a big shot. Yeah, it looks like you're falling with him on top of him when he's falling. Exactly. Yeah. And so like the movie's almost over now. Like there's like the, you know that you get to meet. You have John McClane meet up with uh with 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 uh Al Powell. You have Holly punch the uh the news reporter in the face who brought yeah. his children out there. And boom, that guy that John McClane hung yeah. was not dead. Well, okay, if you look when he's hanging on that chain, he's kind of got his hand right on the chain right by his neck. And the one thing so that I we, can see, maybe he's getting a little bit of breath. The one thing we failed to mention, and we talked about it when we watched the movie, and this part was kind of dumb, and I hate that we pick that stuff now that we're older and we can watch it, but when, but that guy is actually Carl's brother. So, I'm sorry, that is Carl. His brother was a guy wearing the the outfit, and so yeah, yeah, that's his brother. Yeah, that's the the gym, the 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 the, the gray gym suit guy. Hans and Franz the first crack. terrorist he kills. Yeah, that's his brother. He finds John McClane. He has an assault rifle barrel on John McClane's temple, and doesn't fucking kill him. Yeah, that's in the middle of the movie because he wants to beat the shit out of him because he killed his brother. So that but that's my point. So. He, they get in their fight, as we say. John McClane leaves him hanging. He right. comes back at the end of the movie, alive, armed with his gun. He's about to shoot McClane, and Al Powell shoots him several times and saves everybody's life. Yeah, and I mean, news to anyone out there: if you if you try to kill Rodrigo's brother or successfully kill him, he's not going to fuck around. He's going to shoot you point blank. So just just. I We're hope up. that nobody. I hope Paul, you're fine. <laughs> like, like, well, now you named him. Now people are gonna look for him. I didn't gonna say his name. Anyhow, that is the end of Die Hard, and uh, the film ends with uh, "Let us know, let us know, let us know." Yeah. So that's the that's the rundown of Die Hard, and after our rundown of the movie, you would think there was very little Christmas in the movie, but th- in fact, that's not true. There are lots of Christmas references in the movie, even. Well, as you say, very little, right? Christmas Eve, and then all the violence. But as the violence occurs, there are, as I say, 30 minutes, I would say, of Christmas. No Christmas for an hour. 45 minutes of Christmas. And, as Brian says, references. It's not like, you know, it's the whole plot of the film, but there are Christmas themes and, and discussions and music going on throughout the film. One of the big, bigger ones is when he kills the, the guy in the sweatsuit terrorist thief that guy he sends him down in the elevator with a christmas hat on he he basically def- defiles a corpse with christmas has a christmas hat on it says now i have a machine gun to ho 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 see okay like and again yes maybe not the most traditional idea of christmas but christmas <laughs> you know and something got decorated it wasn't a tree but and what i find and again like i say in my opinion I speak about how there are Christmas trees throughout the movie. You see Christmas lights. You see all kinds of Christmas stuff in, in this movie. And I think that, that this, 
but this is important to mention. Is Ode to Joy considered a Christmas song? I know you looked, you did some research on it. I don't think it is, but I think that people confuse that as as Joy to the World, which is a Christmas song. And like and Ode to Joy is featured prominently in this film during a lot of the cool moments. Like yeah. like I said. And and I guess what we're getting at and, and the reason we're bringing this up now is that I felt, you know, as you listen to Brian's rundown, there wasn't much mention of Christmas. So I want to make sure yeah. we know that we know that there's Christmas there. Like, there is Christmas there. And I guess... There is empirical evidence in the movie by watching it that there, Christmas is tied into the movie. And we talked about this earlier, like, what is a Christmas movie? And as I researched this shit and watched the movies that I watched, I watched, as I said... This film I watched, The Grinch from the year 2000 starring Jim Carrey, and I watched Christmas Vacation for the first time, which was wonderful. I guess the question that, that I wondered, like, does a Christmas theme equal a Christmas movie? So to get to that, we got to figure out what Christmas theme is, right? Like, that's it's kind of vague, if you will. It's not real, real clear. And so when I said Christmas theme... I really just think Christmas shit, man. Like, like you know, like music, like the like the references, like just talking about Christmas. Like we talked about this off mic. Wasn't there some story that someone thought that it was a Christmas movie because his wife's name is Holly? Like, yeah, there is like the Holly, and then apparently he says Jesus Christ a lot. In the in that's blasphemy, yes. Kinda, but but the Holly, I was, but the yeah. Holly part I was, is what I was saying. But and, yeah, you're right. You know, but but so. There's the point we're making right is like we get that there's Christmas stuff like in this movie, and my question was like, I guess. The, well, the bigger question is, does Christmas stuff alone make a, a Christmas, Christmas movie? movie? And the reason I bring that up, especially saying Die Hard, where I get it's a violent movie, and I'm essentially not sure that it's a Christmas movie. Like, there are other movies that have a lot more Christmas stuff, but that I wonder if they're really Christmas stuff, like. You look at a movie like Krampus. You look at it like a movie like Silent Night from back in the day. It's Santa, right? It's 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 it's, it's someone who's not Santa, but was was another ancient person that, that dealt with kids on Christmas. Like, yeah. Like, does this make it a Christmas movie? Like, and if it doesn't, what kind of movie is it? And, or what I'm asking, I guess, is if there's enough Christmas in something, does that make it a Christmas movie? And, and that's what I feel about this movie. And I can see why some folks would consider it. And again. It's what I've been debating the whole time, thinking about this. And the same debate goes on for that movie, uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Is it a Halloween movie? Is it a Christmas movie? Is there enough Christmas in it to make it a Christmas movie? Is there enough Halloween in it to make a, a Halloween movie? So I guess at some point you got to kind of break it down to figure out, you know, what, how much of Christmas needs to be in it. Um, I know we had talked, you were, you were talking previously about, um, or off off mic about a. a, a Hallmark movie that you watched? So, full disclosure, my mother broke her rib last year. She was laid up. I wanted to go hang out with her. All she was doing was watching these Hallmark Christmas movies. And one that we Sounds watched... Like a blast. Yeah, well, it was fun hanging out with my mom. The Hallmark. They were okay. Again, Hallmark. I understand how hard it is to produce work. But this Christmas <laughs> movie was about, essentially, like, Santa and Miss Claus, the day before Christmas Eve, come to Vegas, and one time a year... They become young and go be regular human beings and kick it in Las Vegas, do what regular folks do in Vegas. And the main thing here is that some little girl saw them transform. You know, they saw Santa and his claws, and all of a sudden they're young. When this happened, the clauses promised this little girl a wish. And the wish was, you know, find my mom a boyfriend. So and this was the Christmas movie. It was it. essentially like hush money that 
that they paid this little girl. Yes, with a Christmas wish. It just happened to be Santa and Mrs. Claus. Uh, so in again, Vegas, and this is on the Hallmark Christmas movie, right? Yeah, is there enough Christmas in that to make it a Christmas movie? Is there enough Christmas in Die Hard to make it a Christmas movie? Like that's what I kind of get to when I'm watching this movie. Like, so I guess what we want to break down here from here going forward is how, like I mentioned, how much of Christmas needs to be in it, how much of the plot needs to be tied into Christmas, Christmas Vacation. We talked about how. How it, my contention is that movie is intrinsically tied to Christmas because everything revolving there is Christmas, and I will. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I get that. Like, I do get that, right? Obviously, it's a Christmas movie. Like, there's no doubt. But I guess the problem that I have with like the National Lampoon's doing a Christmas Vacation movie is that you can take them away from Christmas, and it's basically the same kind of movies they make throughout, right? So again, a lot of the same jokes and plot beats. But yeah. clearly, there's enough Christmas in that movie to make it a Christmas movie. The whole thing is Christmas, like you say, like you know, twenty five thousand lights and shit. Like, like that was so funny. Like, you know what I mean? Like, or like one like, million twinkle lights. Like, 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 yeah. So of course I would check. Of course I'd be plugged in before checking all these lights. Like, you know what I mean? Like that kind of shit. Like it was. It was really squirrel. Like, 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 like that's where I was. That's where I'm still struggling with this movie. Like. I I understand where people want to give it give it the Christmas thing, and I kind of want to, but I, but because there's Christmas in it, bro. Like that's the thing. Yeah, like, there's plenty of Christmas in it. Like yes, I get it. The main part and the best parts <laughs> and the things that most folks remember have nothing to do with Christmas, and it was not released during during a Christmas era, like we said, July. I get that. Yeah, it's, it's totally not a Christmas movie, but I don't want to dismiss it because there is so much Christmas in it. I don't know if the intentions of the producers and directors and the actors and everyone that worked on the film was to make a Christmas movie. It seems like they took the Christmas setting. It was ripped directly from the book. That was already in there. So they were, they were kind of working with the source material yep. at that point. Yeah, there are Christmas-related aspects to the movie. But when I look at it, I try to... If you pull the plot of Die Hard out, which has been done dozens and dozens of times over and over throughout like the course of the 90s and even the aughts now, the biggest defender of that is uh, Olympus Has Fallen, which is basically the White House is taken over by terrorists. I don't know if they're thieves, ter- terrorist thieves, but they're, they're terrorists and they're murdering folks. Some broke-ass Die Hard guy has to basically rescue the president. And it's almost a beat-for-beat beat remake, and when I watch it, like... When I watched it, I didn't think Christmas. When I initially watched Die Hard as a kid, you don't like, think Christmas. You don't think Christmas. It, it, like it doesn't. It doesn't like jive with me. So the Christmas that's in it, yeah, you know, you can't deny that the movie takes place around Christmas. There's no getting around that, right? Right. I just Whether can't... or not it's a Christmas movie is another is a whole another thing. Like, do the are the themes Christmassy? Is the plot Christmassy? Yeah, the settings there. But and you, we were talking before. You were talking about uh, a plots and, and b, b plots. plots. Yes. Again, I'm not some. I just want to give a shout out to Esther where I learned this. Again, we talk about our podcast. I listen to that Mission Log podcast. These are the people that talk to me about a b, a plots and b plots. And I guess the point that we were discussing is that the a plot in this movie is clearly not Christmas. I think that the b plot has Christmas in it. And with that, does that b plot? make this a Christmas movie, right? That's kind of what I'm asking. And, like, I'm not sure. Like, I, 
I don't think. And I'm not trying to speak for you, but it doesn't seem like you think it's a Christmas movie. Am, yeah. am I right or wrong on that? Like, well, uh, it, yeah, yeah. It, I haven't come to a hundred uh, my complete conclusion yet, but it, I'm leaning towards the, the negative because you made some really good points as to what makes a Christmas movie. But let me let me let me almost cycle back and sure. counter argue as to why it almost is a Christmas movie on Die Hard, right? So like, there's a scene where like he's talking to Carl and he's like, "Man." Tell my wife I screwed up and, and I, you know, I, I should have been with her and I should be more supportive and, and blah, blah, blah. He has his moment of clarity. And upon having his moment of clarity, he gains superpowers and does all the Debo shit, most fantastical stuff you can imagine in a movie. The same shit happens in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the same shit happens in The Grinch. Like, all of a sudden, like, it's on. They have their moment and they do shit that they're not supposed to do. Yes. In a much more Christmas setting, more Christmas, way more Christmas than the Die Hard, but you can see that is what I'm trying to get at. Like, yeah. it's, it's there. It's not. No, like... I mean that's a good point. I never actually saw it in that light before, and I didn't. I didn't think of. I didn't. So I guess when you're when you're when you're coming at it from my my mind frame, where you never really and that, like I mentioned, like I didn't realize that this was a debate until. We started talking about topics to talk about for Christmas, and this one came up for you. I didn't. I didn't realize that there was a whole online debate about this. I've, on Twitter, I've seen polls and stuff about like, what's your favorite Christmas movie? In doing research, it kind of baffled me that Die Hard was on there. That's why I never went. I never took the step to compare it to any other Christmas movies, like The Grinch or Rudolph. You know, I mean, and it does fit in that regard. Yeah, that. But. But Still. your point is made, because you also made the same point about Mount Olympus, because all elements of action movies can be Mount ripped out, right? Olympus has fallen. Olympus has fallen, I'm sorry. <laughs> Mount Olympus <laughs> is a theme park in Wisconsin Dells, right. folks. If you ever get there, it's a wonderful place. And so, and like I say, the A-plot, clearly, this is this is the action movie. And like, not yeah. only is it the action movie, right? Like, it's the game-changing action movie in the sense that before these movies... Bruce Willis kind of tricked people, right? Like, Bruce Willis be looking like he's just an average dude. You know what I mean? I know. Like, like, right? like, like a regular dude. And when I say that, like, I'm not blind. I know he's in shape and he's muscular. But before him, the action stars were Arnie and Sylvester Stallone and Dolph Lundgren and these yeah. big Debo motherfuckers. Bruce Willis. Like I said, he plays washed up, disheveled real well. Like, that's like that's his wheelhouse. And at the end of the movie, you realize he's not some chump. He's some Debo dude. Like, and, yeah. and, and these things happen like we say in all action movies like especially now like you know like especially when he ran with it but but again does having like christmas trees the, the songs like is that important part to making christmas like, like like making a christmas movie and like i'm not sure you know what i mean i'm not i'm really not sure well, like in the christmas in, well in christmas carol uh isn't uh, little timmy or what's his name? The little guy with the <laughs> I think it's Timmy. Yeah, little, little Timmy. Yeah. They don't really have many Christmassy things, right? It's the Christmas spirit inside of them that wants them to do good, and and the Christmas spirit that gets brought out in yeah. in yeah. in uh, in uh, Scrooge McDuck. I can't. I don't know what his name. Scrooge. Well, all Scrooge. Uh, yeah, but like so, the Christmas spirit that gets brought out of Die Hard is like murderous rage. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair I mean, granted, yeah, I, you can argue that Christmas can bring out murderous rage in people. It has on my and in me <laughs> on some occasions when you're looking for a gift to buy someone and you can't freaking find one. So, like, yeah, okay, so maybe maybe that's 
like a wrong path to go down to whether determining this is a Christmas movie. But let me cycle back to something we were talking about earlier. Whether this debate was surprising to you, like publications as different as Maxim to Good Housekeeping put this yeah. in their Christmas list. I'm not a real big reader of either, either, but yeah. I'm just saying, like, those are big magazines. And there was a know? UK poll that came out that, wait, what, was the UK poll the one that negated it as it a Christmas movie? It completely said it was not a Christmas movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the British people, right? Yes. Yeah, and then there was polls done on... Here. ...that said that uh, it was a Christmas movie. So, I mean... The thing is, off mic, we've discussed this shit, and... and and again, you brought in rather up, vigorous detail. You brought up some really good arguments where, where like, I'm I'm really swaying one way, but you make up some really good points about some other shit. Like, there are other movies that have Christmas in them, yeah. but they're not Christmas. So I got I got a list of uh, some movies. So even before you give your list, I give you one that I like. We watched it. You remember Assault on Precinct Thirteen? Yes, one of, that's one of your favorite movies, right? And that movie's on Christmas, Christmas Eve, but that has. You like nothing to do with Christmas. Like, I don't think of I. You know, when when you told me we were talking about that movie, and you told me it takes place during Christmas, I just knew that it took place in winter. I didn't realize that that was Christmas Eve. Right? Where they're putting up the they're putting up the, the or was it New Year's Eve? I thought it was Christmas Eve. They're, I'm certain oh, it's Christmas Eve. Christmas she's, Eve? she's celebrating. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. So other movies that take place during Christmas that you don't really see being nominated on lists As a of, Christmas of, of Christmas Iron Man three. Well, so lot four of these movies are associated with the writer director Shane Black. So apparently he's obsessed with stuff on Christmas, putting his the setting <laughs> to be Christmas. So Iron Man three, Lethal Weapon, Die Hard two, The Long Kiss Goodnight, Rocky four, Trading Places, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Eyes Wide Shut, which I was surprised to find out I'd seen the movie. Don't remember it being anything about Christmas. I remember a lot of things about it. It, Very depressing things. Not Christmas. But not not Christmas at all. So, I guess to me, like, so what, what's the difference between Die Hard and these movies? Bruce Willis is a fantastic action star, right? Well, but no, because there are all kinds of good action stars in all these movies. Yeah, yeah, that and way better movie than these movies. That's the thing. Like, I, I think that... I think you mentioned this earlier, and, I, and I, I'm in agreement. I think that because it's such a good movie that people can put it in that Christmas category. Like, like none of these, as good as these movies are, like, Lethal Weapon was really good. I, I've only seen Die Hard 2, like, five times. Trading Places is excellent, by the way. And, like, like I don't really, like, those are all, these are good movies, but there's nothing great in there. Whereas Die yeah. Hard is great. And it's essentially... That template for that. It was a groundbreaking movie that basically changed the way action movies were made for there's decades. Every man with all the odds stacked against yeah. him. Like, and, and we've had that before, but it wasn't done as good as this. Helicopter blowing up buildings. Amazing kind of shit. Like, like it was and really, really good. I guess, to me, to, to call it a Christmas movie negates kind of the year-round joy that is, that mo- in, is the movie. Like, I think mm. you can watch it at any time of year. You could, I mean, you can argue that it's a Christmas movie, right? That you should watch it during Christmas, but I could argue that you should watch it in February. You could watch it in in June, in August, right? Like, why why wouldn't you watch it? It's a really good movie. That and and I guess maybe that's where I fall too. And and we talked about um, pulling the plot out and how you can you can't really see the Christmas in the plot itself. It's got the garnish all over all over it. It's got the Christmas DNA on it. Whether or not that itself makes it a Christmas movie, I guess 
we're still trying to hash out here. One other thing I wanted to mention um, with Christmas movies, there's usually the trope where uh, you're, you're, you're trying to get to your family. To me, in this movie, he's already got to that point. I know, I know we'll argue about that. To me, he's more trying to save his family and rather than get his family to get to his family. Like he got to the point where he got to his wife. He just needs to get through this party. So to bring more Christmas. Yeah. Like an actual Christmas. Like the actual birth of Jesus was to save the family, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> get all religious on Christmas, Rod. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What did what did Angela Chase's little sister say? Can we, it's so can we please stop talking about religion? It's Christmas. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Anyhow, obviously I'm bullshitting with that argument, but I yeah. got you. Like, yes, you're right. Normally it's not about saving your family. It's totally about... There is another... another I do have another sure. tie-in to doing. my so-called life and that Christmas episode. Uh, and maybe maybe this will solidify one way or the other whether or not you think Die Hard's a Christmas movie, but Bruce Willis, no shoes. The angel in the... Die, in the uh, my so-called life episode. No she had footwear issues oh, too. But dad, but had no Maybe shoes. footwear issues are the key to, to, to Christmas. Possibly. Who knows? So <laughs> outside of our real big stretches to tie it into um, our old episodes. Only a little derivative. What else in Die Hard is, Christmas, is, is so tied to Christmas that it would make you think that it's a Christmas movie? Or what is so far removed from Christmas that would make you think that it's not a Christmas movie? Is there any like anything intrinsic to it? I mean, outside of uh, rampant murder, I do want to say greed. I think the music is important yeah. because you don't really have Christmas music on soundtracks on non-Christmas music. That's true. And the songs are essentially Christmas classics. Like I love the Run DMC song, uh, Christmas and Hollis. Winter Wonderland is. I don't care for but a great song and let us know is a, is a Christmas song. You know what I mean? Like, like that's the song. It end. That's it ends the movie on that. And from what I what I, I heard somewhere that it actually you can argue that it does snow because all the paper falling after they blew up the. And they've done that in other. See now we're talking about scientific Christmas tropes. There's a Doctor <laughs> Who episode set on Christmas where. There are remains of dead people falling on people, and they think it's snow, and it's not oh, snow. And I think that also happens in Schindler's List or some shit like that, right? Uh, no, yeah, not Schindler's yeah. There's a movie, yeah, yeah, that so, sounds... I don't, I don't want to say Schindler's List. I might be wrong on that, but I know what happens in a film, something like that. So, like, th- that theme of, like, you know, it not snowing, real snow, but snowing, I've heard of that kind of stuff in the past as well. Okay. For sure. Like, at, at the end of the day, I mean... Did you have any more, or were we ready to move on to our, our, our I, th- I mean, conclusion? I, what do you think? I think we're ready to move on to the conclusion here. So, we used to ask, oh, the music is what I said, right? The, well, music, the music, and like I said, Christmas themes that I see in other Christmas movies, and like the Christmas stuff. Like, those are clearly, those things are Christmas. But like, you're right, man. Like, in this movie, is there any other thing like, about Christmas going on. Like, like that's where you could argue that this is not the Christmas movie, right? Because, like... like and, and, again, what's what's really about Christmas to people? Like, buying presents or hanging out with family, that kind of shit. Like, yeah. dinner. Like, everybody has their own perception of that. I would argue that very few perception of Christmas is 
taking out bad guys. Like, you know, like in the most Debo way. Like, like that, that is probably not going to happen. On Christmas, I'm sure right? there's some segment of the population. Believes they could do some shit like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I won't, I won't, I won't generalize, but I think we all know where that segment is. Could stop. <laughs> yes. I think everybody knows where that segment is. And like, 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 so like, yeah. So I think there's some people that, that, so to me, it kind of had the movie is kind of like the like it's it's got a western vibe. It's got a like like a pig headed American vibe, kind of like you know I'm gonna plow through this determination. And, and you've heard some of the bullshit arguments that we don't agree with about this being a Christmas movie. Like it's got the anti materialism vibe because you yeah. know it's messing with Nagatomi. I mean, that's that. in a lot of Hollywood movies, the anti materialism, which is kind of funny when you think about it. Like they're making a movie that they're. Pouring yes. millions of dollars in, hoping to just suck every dollar bill out of us, and they made what like seven sequels to Die Hard, exactly. not including the blatant ripoffs that aren't called Die Hard. But so, in my rundown to get to the ultimate conclusion here for myself, so Die Hard, he's saving his family, not trying to. To me, he's saving his family, not trying to get. Back, like he is trying to put his family back together in some regard. The more immediate need that he has is basically he's got to. He's. I would think that the whole reason he's putting himself on the line is basically because his wife is involved. I mean, I'm not trying. I mean, it, let's say I if it was me I'm and not, and Jessica no, was there. Disagree. I might I'm try gonna, to do some. I'm if none of my family was there, I would be like, I, I would, I would, I would throw myself out the nearest window. I disagree with you wholeheartedly because then we would not have Die Hard three. Which is the greatest movie, one of the greatest yeah. movies of all time. By that point, though, he's so used to, like, doing it, you know? Like, he, he kind of, he, he wakes up hungover, <laughs> like, they, half drunk, and he's like, Didn't they also, all make, right. they also just do Olympus Has Fallen? It's the same shit, right? Like, Yeah, they might have his daughter, though, in that one. Okay, I don't know. I don't remember. Family, all right, all right, yeah. all right. But, like, you know, Save like, there's family. a movie Commando. Uh, uh, there, there's some other, like, Commando's the one that comes right to mind, because we mentioned it earlier, but they that, that dude in the... The really weird chainmail vest that just wants to cut him. Is he Bennett? Be- yeah, that's Bennett. No, no, Ma- Matri- no. Matrix. Yeah, Matrix. No, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's Matrix. The, the other guy's Bennett. Bennett. Glad yes. <laughs> to try it. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you let off some steam? So, oh, oh god. <laughs> like they got his daughter right, so he's trying to get his family his. Fam- that's essentially his entire family. So to me, that's what he's trying to do. Like the only, cr- the only real Christmassy thing to me is the setting, um, which we said, you know, yeah, it, it's the setting incorporates other Christmas things. Like if it wasn't, granted, if it wasn't Christmas, he wouldn't have been able to put the Christmas hat on the guy. The ho 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 joke that he wrote on his chest, the dead guy wouldn't have made any sense if it wasn't Christmas. There's a couple, couple other one-liners that you know are real Christmas related. There's also a, a line from that that douchebag Ellis that tries to double cross him in the movie where he says that they're having the party um, because they just closed the big deal. And I know we talked about this previously. My thought process is that they by closing the deal is how they got that large amount of bearer bonds. Mm-hmm. You don't think that it's explicitly I'm stated, not right? Certain as that, yeah. you know what I mean? Right. Like, I, I, and I'm not saying that it is or isn't. It's very possible that it is. I just I don't understand why some negotiation with whatever company from wherever you are, and all of a sudden you're going to get 
all these U.S. bear bonds. <laughs> I just think they already have them there. It's and I movie just, logic. But whatever. I, I like, whatever. Uh, maybe, I, maybe, maybe, I, maybe I'm looking at looking in too much to try to negate it being a Christmas movie in and that I'd regard, like, but totally be wrong. That shit has happened a few but, times. But they, they are, they are having that big party. He does state that they're having a big party a, because it's Christmas Eve and B because they closed the big deal. And so let's talk about Ellis real quick. We are actually introduced to this character when, uh, the boss meets John McClane and they go to Holly's office and dude is, Doing lines on Holly's desk, <laughs> just just like randomly doing coke like, on his on her, like, on her desk. And you know, like, you know, he tries to be all cool and shit. And Bruce Willis is like, "You missed some." And Bruce Willis is a cop. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Which He's is like, hilarious. Holly's husband. He's a police officer. It's like it, 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 it's just weird. And uh, he he's a pretty big player. I like why he wouldn't do. Coke in his own office where he can lock the door. So not only is he fucking around doing that kind of shit, right? He also, throughout the middle of the movie, sets up a deal where he attempts to, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Double, Double cross, cross Bruce Willis. Yeah. And, and, and set him up to die, right? Like, Tries to sell him out. Yeah. Exactly. So, so Ellis is a prick. Like, 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 and yes, he... he and, well, yeah, well, then Hans shoots him in the face. face. Yes, yeah. it was very Which good. Which I didn't really, yeah, that one didn't hurt. I, that one I enjoyed. So the plot has been, like I said, it's been replicated dozens and dozens of times. Uh, Speed is a good example of that. Uh, Under Siege, there's another one, uh, Sudden Death. Like, pretty much every decent action star that passed up this movie made some kind of variation of this movie, except for Burt Reynolds. He probably got offered tons of movies to do that, but he probably passed them all. (laughs) I don't understand what's we wrong with that Kindergarten man. cop right around this time. Yeah. Right? Like no, not kindergarten cop. Cop and a half. Cop and a half. Kindergarten cop was uh, yes. Schwarzenegger. That was actually not an awful movie. Which one? The, the Burt Reynolds or the Schwarzenegger movie? Schwarzenegger movie. Cop and they a half. They were both good. Fuck that. I cop and a half. You like movies. cop and a half? Which Which is the one with the, with the little African-American kid? That's cop and a half. That was a good movie. That Where he basically... That's with Arnie? I don't, I don't remember exactly. Damn it, I'm names. lost. Which is, I, I remember one of them is not a tumor. That's hilarious. That's that's Kindergarten Cop. Cop and a Half is also very good. Those are Both movies are good. Are you thinking about Stop or My Mom Will Shoot with Ar- with Sylvester Stallone? Because no. all, all three of those guys kind of <laughs> no. made really weird, no. silly cop movies. Movie. Anyhow, no. Anyhow right. well, Burt Reynolds made Obviously, these movies are not Christmas movies. I believe Lou Diamond Phillips made a... a <laughs> A sequel to Cop and a Half oh recently, God. but times are getting tough for old La Bamba. Yep. Um, so, I mean, my main conclusion is that it's just a really good effing movie, and I think that's why the people want it to be a Christmas movie because they want to. I think they want to have an excuse to watch Die Hard in front of their family on Christmas. Of that's watching, what it seems. That's what it feels like to me. Instead of watching these Hallmark movies, yeah, which the which movie. the one you explained sounds god awful. Yeah, right, right. So, uh, and lastly, probably most importantly. It, it just, I mean, the setting is Christmas, but the movie to me isn't about Christmas. And if you're going to make a movie about Christmas, Christmas should be like dead center of the, the movie. I mean, right? No. Maybe not? Not I don't quite. Know. Well, in my, yes, in my warped right Christmassy no, no, brain. No, no. I'm going to come right back to that. Dead well, that being said, I can't, I can't say that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Um, I might agree that Die Hard 2 is more of a Christmas movie because there's more... 
travel, trying to get your family together because she's stuck in a plane. There's, there's actual snow. So yeah, and you're yeah in an airport. But you know, Die Hard to me, I just I can't throw it into the Christmas movie realm. And I understand. So you don't give it its alternative history. With me, like I say, going back and forth, like do Christmas themes? Does a Christmas theme equal a Christmas movie? Does the Christmas garnish make a Christmas movie? And like, I still wasn't sure. And like, I like how we put it. Like, is there enough Christmas to make it a Christmas movie? And that's where I'm different with you on the dead center. Because like, you know, we even talked about it. Like, like, I think you mentioned in one of our previous conferences, you'd say like, like that Krampus movie is a Halloween movie. I totally disagree with you. That is not a Halloween movie. You could get away with watching it at Halloween, possibly, because there's murder. Maybe. But whatever. That's why. Okay, but but again, is there enough Christmas to make it a Christmas movie? Yes or no? Like, And yeah. before I go any further, you can... I disagree wholeheartedly with your Christmas is snow idea, because half of the world... And I have been in many Christmas without snow, so just let's not forget about that. Shit. Hey, no one, but, no one. There's no song called "I'm Dreaming of a Hot, Sweaty Christmas." Well, some of all, oh, but there are plenty of people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> plenty of people. <laughs> Anyhow, I mean, I probably wouldn't. It's snowing. It snowed here in the lovely city of Milwaukee, and I would rather it be hot and sweaty. Yeah. So that that was my thing. Like with this movie, like, is there enough Christmas in Die Hard for it to be a Christmas movie? And man, I was leaning through my, my my research to really wanting it to be a Christmas movie. Like, like it's like you said, people should be able to watch whatever they want with their family. But like, is this really a Christmas movie? And like, as much as I wanted it to be, I really couldn't put it in that Christmas movie genre either. I think it's just a very good action movie. However, after our discussion, I wish maybe John McClane would have been dressed up in a Santa suit, like, and he would have been like, you know bucking out presents and maybe there'll be more Christmas and you could definitely put it in the Christmas category. But at this point, it's really not a Christmas I think it movie. need yeah, I think it needs it needed just a little bit more Christmas in like tied into like could have been like ho 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 motherfucker. Yeah, or like like I said, or like or like stabbing folks in the eyes with uh, Christmas canes or some <laughs> shit like that. Or <laughs> more Christmas or uh you know like like spearing someone with some like antlers. Something like that. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's what I'm... I was looking for more perverse murdering with Christmas... <laughs> Christmas-orientated things rather than just punch punches and shots to people's head. So I guess there you have it. We are the Alternative History Podcast, and we determine that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. Feel free to argue with us relentlessly. I'm sure you will. Tell us what you think. Are we full of shit? Probably. Does my voice make you want to poke your eyes out? Does like, uh, do you do you want to wrap your head in wrapping paper when you hear my voice? <laughs> um, so we're uh, we're on iTunes. We're on um, Google, Google Play. Play. We can be reached on Twitter. Twitter at at Alt History PC. Facebook. Uh, just search Alternative History. Um, that's. Yeah probably the most neglected of our um social media <laughs> sites and alternative history podcast at gmail.com and uh there are now analytics on itunes so we'll know if you're listening or if you're not just like to... santa claus we're always watching in other words and more politely please like please <laughs> comment please subscribe it would really help us out an awful lot Thank you again for listening. You guys have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And we're going to let 
little Jack Fisher take you out with jingle bells on his keyboard. See you guys later. Merry Christmas.